Welcome to the Clubhouse Podcast with Shane Bacon. I'm Shane Bacon. Are you okay? Is everybody okay? That was one of the more exciting final hour and a half, two hours I've ever experienced in my entire life. Of course, talking about the Masters. Uh, First major uh, in the books, Danny Willett. Uh, goes out and and wins that 567. Jordan Spieth, of course, is going to be the main topic of conversation for the next week or two, maybe for the next year with the way uh, that thing went down. But before we get into it, uh, I wanted to say we are live coming to you from Champions Retreat. Uh, It is in Augusta, Augusta, Georgia, the only uh, Gary Player, Arnold Palmer, and Jack Nicklaus collaboration in the entire world, 27 holes individually designed by the big three, exclusively private, but open to the public during Masters Week. So uh, for the full week, you can come out here and play it. I got to play it. It is uh, it is awesome. The golf courses are really, really unique. They're very different. They have the subtleties uh, of each of the designers in them. It's been a lot of fun. You can play the Palmer Island, the Player Creek, the Nicholas Bluff. Uh, for more information on Chamber on Champions Retreat, go to www.championsretreat.net. Uh, you can also follow them on social. Their Instagram, which is great, is at champions.retreat. Their Twitter is at champsretreat. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I've been out here all week. I'm really getting to experience not only this golf course, but uh, the buzz and the vibe of Augusta National uh, in Augusta, Georgia. And it's, 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 the, it's the greatest week of the, of the entire year if you're a golf fan. It really is. And, of course, it looked like we were going to be in for a little bit of a snoozer at first. Jordan Spieth birdies four holes in a row. Looks like he's going to run away with it. And, uh, and he didn't. Um, has, uh, makes triple bogey on the 12th. Uh, the hole that we wrote about earlier in the week about the three golf shots at Augusta that can not only doom your round, but potentially doom your championship. And it did just that. Made a bad swing on 12, just like he did in 2014. Uh, drops, uh, makes an even worse swing, dumps another one in the water, hits the third one in the, in the bunker. Uh, does get that one up and down. A lot is going to be about that. The focus is going to be on what Jordan Spieth did at the 12th after the bogeys on 10 and 11. People are probably going to forget that he bounced back with birdies on 13 and 15 when he had to have them and hit an absolutely incredible golf shot on 16 that I think should have crept back a little bit more. But uh, that's that. Jordan Spieth didn't win. Danny Willett, Danny Willett did. Five under 67. I mean, this guy's a top 10 player in the world. People are, are looking at like he's some sort of a hack or no name or they're bummed out that he won. I mean, Willett wins the Masters. He was tied for third at the Cadillac Championship. He won Omega Dubai Desert Classic, an enormous event in Europe. A tie for fourth at the Ned Bank. A tie for fourth at the DP World Tour Championship. Tie for third at the HSBC Champions. That's a World Golf Championships event. This was a person on a lot of people's shortlist as the next major winner, the next player without a major to go on and win. So we can think about all those things. We can look at all that stuff, but to me, an impressive, impressive round. You've got to go out and do something to win a major championship. Even if somebody has to collapse, even if somebody falls apart a little bit or has a bad hole, you have to do something because there's a whole bunch of guys out there that could have done it. Lee Westwood, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, Rory. There was a lot of players that could have won this thing. Danny Willett did it. He played the kind of golf. He made the putts. He parred 17 and 18. Obviously, extremely tough holes to do it. And, uh, and, and he's got a green jacket. First Englishman to do it. Uh, since Nick Faldo, the only Englishman to do it since Nick Faldo. So a uh, really special moment. You you saw the celebration with him um, after he found out he won when Spieth missed that birdie putt, or, or missed that par putt on 17, rather. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot about that with Jessica Marksbury from Golf Magazine. She came on uh, five minutes after the, the, the final putt dropped, after Jordan Spieth uh, gave that interview after and presented Willett with the green jacket. Talk about a, a, a tough spot to be in. A lot of the times when you lose something, you can walk away, you can go in the locker room, you can get away from it all. When you're Jordan Spieth and you're the defending champion, you're looking to go back-to-back, you've got to go out there and smile. You've got to go out there and, and hand over the thing you wanted the most 
to somebody else when you had two hands on it. I mean, if you think about it, it looked like, and I kept joking, somebody do something, somebody make a move, somebody make a putt. Uh, Willett hits that shot on 14 pretty close, and I thought, okay, this could get interesting. And then, you know, 25 minutes later, it was Danny Willett's Masters to lose. So uh, we will talk a lot. Uh, Jess and I had a great conversation. She, she's really great. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite people in the golf industry. So that was a lot of fun. But uh, we wanted to get into to a few of, of the regular segments here. First, uh, did you see that? This is an easy one for me. If you didn't see the chest bump bros, we'll throw it up on Twitter. That's at the Clubhouse Pod. Uh, so go follow there. And these guys, after Jordan Spieth made a very, very important clutch birdie putt, uh, they got up out of their seats and they chest bumped, and it was uh, it was something. It was uh, it was impressive. You know, walking around Augusta. You know, I got to go out there a few days. It's so funny how many people have 10, 12, 15 beer cups with them, and I'm assuming those guys probably had some beers uh, before the chest bump occurred. But I'm not sure I've ever seen a fan celebration that was that good. So if you haven't seen it, as I mentioned, we will we will throw that video up on our Twitter at the Clubhouse Pod. Make sure you go follow along. You can send in anything you want our way at hashtag ClubhouseSB. You can send in some emails to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon at gmail.com. If you have a longer question, if you want to get in touch with us at all and suggestions, anything like that. Uh, and with that, I want to get into the three things I love from the week. This was really hard to narrow down the three things I love from the week because obviously the Masters had a lot. Think back to Jason Day's front nine on Thursday. That seemed like ages ago when he was in control. It looked like Jason Day was going to go back-to-back winning majors. First thing that I loved, Bryson DeChambeau's first 35 holes of this Masters. For some reason, the, the amateur now about to turn pro, he, he really is polarizing. You know, some people love him. Uh, some people really don't love him. Some uh, media members I've heard have said he's, he's, not, he's a fake, he's a phony, he's not going to work out. I, I couldn't disagree more with that. I think he's the real deal. And the first 35 holes playing alongside with the defending champion, playing alongside with the face of golf right now in Jordan Spieth, and DeChambeau went step for step with him. Of course, he had that ugly uh, triple on the, on the 18th. He made a bad swing. Bad swings are going to happen. Bad swings are going to happen when you've never been in a situation before, when you're vying for the, the biggest prize in, in most golfers' mind, the green jacket. He made a bad swing. He made a triple. That was unfortunate. But I still thought he was impressive. I thought he was solid. He played well on Sunday. Uh, so kudos to that kid. This will not obviously be the last you hear of him. I, I just think he's a really, really, really impressive player. The second thing... You watch golf a lot, and you follow these players, and the career arc happens uh, almost before your eyes. You know, you see somebody like Luke Donald, who was number one in the world, and now it seems like maybe that's passed, and, and he might not ever win a major or a big event. You feel that way a little bit with Sergio Garcia at times. You know, we saw him in, in 99 at Medina, the, the, the kick and all that good stuff. You know, Lee Westwood's a player like that in my mind. And the run he made on Sunday when it looked like there was a chance he might finally get that major I loved it. And the chip in on 15 was just amazing. Of course, he, he went on to, to, to miss some shaky putts, you know, that bogey on 16. But that moment um, was a really special one, not just for him, but for people that have kind of followed along with him. I mean, you know, this is a guy that's had a ton of heartbreak, and especially at Augusta National. And it looked like for a moment that that shot might do it. It was happening right when the speed stuff was going down. You're sitting there going, is this Lee Westwood's time? And, of course, it wasn't. But I did love that moment. He, had, he, hit, he hit the shot he had to hit. He knocked it in. Hey, at least he gets some crystal goblet, so he gets something out of it. But uh, a great week for Lee Westwood. A great week for the English players in general. They uh, they were really, really impressive. You go look at that list. I mean, you see so many English players in the top ten. Uh, and, of course, Danny Willett going on to win. So my final thing that I that I loved, 
is is more of an overall and overview of everything. It's just the fact that once again, we got a Masters that didn't disappoint. And it looked like it was going to. It looked like, you know, for all the people wanting Jordan Speed to go on to win, you know, nobody wants it to go to the back nine and it be a four and five, six shot lead. You know, that's not dramatic. And Augusta is built for drama. That golf course is built for things to happen. You have some tough holes mixed in there. You've got some very tough holes mixed in there, like the 11th and the 10th, depending on, you know, the conditions and how the wind's blowing. And then, of course, you get the 12th. And the 12th is so diabolical, and it is a perfect example of why par threes don't have to be 240 yards. They can be 150 yards, and they can still be really, really tough. Uh, Spieth made a bad decision there. He made a bad swing. It cost him the green jacket, and that's what's so cool. But, you know, you get those those par fives in there. You get the 14th hole location. It's a very accessible one. Uh, Danny Willett, of course, hitting it close and making birdie there. Uh, and then you get the tough hole in 17. And then, of course, what happened on 16? I mean, we see three holes in one. You see Louis Oosthuizen hit one of the strangest, coolest, uh, most ridiculous aces you'll ever see in your entire life with the bank shot off J.B. Holmes' ball. And, you know, you just... The feeling you get in watching all those things and knowing, you know, when Jordan Spieth dropped that putt on 15, knowing that he had a birdie-friendly hole location on 16 and 18, knowing that if he can make 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 a two on 16, if he can make a par on 17, he would at least have a chance for a three on 18 because we've seen it happen so many times. You know, Marco Mira and Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods, and you know that's the hole location they want. And they do such an amazing job at it. You know, there's a lot of stuff people can say about Augusta National. What they cannot say is it is not short of entertainment. And it is very, very fun to watch that for four straight days. And it is a bit of a bummer that the moment you realize, you know, when that when that final putt drops and the green jacket's presented and you realize we don't get this for a whole year. So it was a really fun week. I'm really pumped to get to spend it in Augusta. Uh, Georgia. I was really excited to spend it at Champions Retreat. This place is amazing, 27 holes. And as I mentioned, Gary Player, Jack Nicholas, and Arnold Palmer, of course. Uh, some celebrity sightings that I saw this week uh, that I thought was really funny. Um, and it just happened so much. I, I, you know, I, I was at a Gary Player uh, dinner, name drop, by the way. And, you know, of course, I got, I got a minute to check and chat with him. But, you know, the funny thing was I had Gary Player and Justin Thomas on the podcast last week. Well, they both made holes in one in the par three contest. I told Gary, you know, if you ever want to make another race, just let me know and I'll have you on again. And, and he chuckled and, and said he'd definitely come back on. But, you know, there was, there was that. But when you're driving down Washington Road, we're driving down and I'm with a friend of mine and his dad. And, you know, you look over and Sean Foley's walking. Uh, you, you look over at one point and the CEO of Puma is running over to, to, the, to the truck. Uh, we were we were driving and you see you see Marco Mira and you're like this is so funny these guys are just walking around casually you know they they this is just the week where the whole golf world comes together to one small small spot and it's really fun to be in the environment so uh, you know this is stupid to say but if you've never been make sure you go if you've never taken somebody that you know loves golf you know like your dad or your uncle or your grandmother or your grandfather do it try to find a way to do it if you can afford it because. It really is a really cool thing. And when I got down to Amen Corner, uh, you know, the first day I was there, you forget every time just how amazing that place is. And and it was it was fun to get down there and just be able to watch some golf shots. I got to watch Tom Watson play on Friday, you know, in his finals Masters, and and that was really special. And you know, we almost forget about some of the Tom Watson shots, like that putt on 18. If the golf gods had ever needed to be around for a moment, they should have kicked that putt another foot because that would have been a great way to walk off. But uh, enough of me. I want to get into some real Masters talk. As I mentioned, Jessica Marksberry, Golf Magazine. She does an amazing job. Make sure you follow her on Twitter, Jess underscore Marksberry. We just get into it. I called her right after the Masters ended. 
We jumped into it. We had a lot of fun. We answered some of your questions. So go check that out because uh, it, we had a good conversation. I was glad to have somebody that was as, as enthused and excited as I was on the podcast. And as promised, we welcome in Jessica Marksbury to the Clubhouse Podcast. She's the associate editor of Golf Magazine, uh, one of my favorite people in the golf industry. And please tell me what just happened at Augusta National. <laughs> I'm still reeling, Shane. I, I don't know. I'm I'm wiping tears away. Uh, I had to blow my nose a few times. Um, this might be the saddest thing I've seen since Tom Watson didn't win the British Open back in 2009. Well, let's let's just, I mean, we are fresh off uh, the conclusion of the Masters, and um, we both obviously were watching it on the edge of our seats. Um, let's just kind of go back. I, I just want to relive kind of the last two and a half hours of it uh, quickly before we kind of get into some questions that people had for us. Uh, first, you know, I don't think enough people are, are, are understanding that it looked as if this was going to be a snooze fest. It looked like Jordan Spieth was going to run away with it. Um, I even on Twitter was joking that somebody do something. You know, I was, I was asking any player to, to make a move. When, when Jordan Spieth got to the tenth hole, I mean, there, there was no there was no doubt in my mind that he was going to win the Masters. Do you feel the same way? Yeah. No, I actually laughed out loud reading your Twitter timeline earlier today because. Uh, after Jordan's, you know, quote-unquote collapse, I think you said something like, okay, we wanted it to be close, but we didn't want him to fully collapse and lose this thing. And I think, you know, that, those are always our, our sentiments the last couple of days. It's funny, yesterday when uh, Jordan had, you know, bogey double to finish his third round, I thought, okay, well, you know what, that's not all bad because that just means it's going to be an exciting Sunday. And sure enough, yes, we want it to be exciting, but we still want the heroes to win, you know, our personal heroes like Jordan Spieth. So absolutely, I agree with you. At the turn, it seemed like here here we go again. I mean, the guy is just invincible. He's playing unbelievable golf. I think that was actually his best front side of the whole week uh, heading into the back today, what Jordan did. So, you know, complete, complete and total shocker. The bogey's on 10 and 11. Okay, understandable. 12, I'm still scratching my head, wondering just what happened. And what's crazy, and you made such a good point, and this was something I wanted to touch on. We had a couple of questions, and and I think that this is an important thing to remember, and you mentioned it. The, the, the finish on Saturday, you know, if he plays half-decent golf on 17 and 18, 17 being his nemesis hole, really, um, in his entire career, he, he double-bogeyed it on his way to victory last year on Saturday before a great par save there at 18 when he got up and down from over the green. But, you know, he bogeys 17, and then he double bogeys 18, and you're like, okay, not a big deal. It's fine. <laughs> when he bogeyed five, he was back to even par, and you're kind of going, all right, when's he going to get going? And then he just goes on this tear. As you mentioned, the bogey on 10, bogey on 11, those things happen. Those are the two toughest holes at Augusta National. But him hitting that ball in the water, what's so crazy is if you go back and listen to sound bites of his win in 15, he talked so much about playing the 12 and how much he'd learned and how he knew you know, you don't hit it over there like he did in 2014 when he lost to Bubba Watson with the lead. And he was always talking about how, you know, patience and understanding and he gets the par three. And then he dumps that in the water. And even in his post-run interview, which, by the way, impressive that he did it, he mentioned that he probably should have gone to the drop zone and, and, he, and he hits that in the water as well. We've seen players collapse on the 12th at times. That was obviously a, a brutal situation for Jordan Spieth. But I wanted to ask you, do, do you consider what happened a choke from Jordan Speed? The thing, I, yeah, I'm glad you brought 
that up because the first shot, no, I mean, anyone can hit it in the water on 12. It's, it's a, it is a very difficult shot. Even if you're trying to play it safe, very easy to go in the water on 12. The choke shot to me was that second shot. I mean, that was just, it, it almost didn't reach the water. I mean, it was super, super fat. Um, that was the first indication that, hey, wow, Jordan's nerves are, are, affecting him at this point you know like what is going on he's all he's obviously thinking either too much or not enough or you know that was where we I think everyone collectively wondered okay what is going on here because I don't think anyone's ever seen Jordan Speed hit a shot like that yeah and then he bounces back I mean that's the important thing to remember is that happens and I was looking back at, at the way Rory McIlroy played the back nine in 2011 and I was going to write something like this on Twitter and I ended up getting caught up in the moment but you know, he, he has that horrible 10th hole, obviously. But then he went on to make bogey on 11 and double on 12. And that was really where he lost it. And then, of course, he hits it, you know, in, in the trash on 13. And, and that was Rory's, um, you know, downfall to me back in 11 when Schwartzel went on to win. You know, this wasn't mm. that. This was the, the, the double on, or the triple on 12. He makes birdie on 13 and a really, really good birdie up and down from over the green. I think he thought he flagged that second shot. Uh, you know, doesn't hit a, a great drive, which really is, was the Achilles of his game all week, was driving the ball. Hits a, hits a bad tee mm-hmm. shot on 14, makes par there on a really friendly pin position. But then birdies 15. I mean, a really, really impressive birdie with that up and down there. That was the moment when you thought, okay, here we are. And I really do believe for the first time, and I hate bringing this guy's name up because it's always the comparison. But for the first time since Tiger Woods' era, I thought... This guy is seriously going to birdie out or birdie two of the next three <laughs> and get in a playoff or win the Masters. It really felt like he was going to do it, especially with the tee shot on 16. Yeah, that's why we were all on the edge of our seat because clearly, uh, even even with what happened to, to Jordan this week, he was still, in my mind, the best putter. I mean, I, I didn't see anybody make more putts than Jordan Spieth. And I thought to myself, if he could just get his ball striking in order, I mean, he would run away with this thing. His putting saved him so many times. And when he hit that shot on 16, I too was thinking, okay, he's got this. I mean, just like Tiger Woods, when, when Tiger Woods would get within, you know, 10, even 12 feet on the Sunday of a major championship, you thought it's going in 85% chance that that putt is going in. And when he missed on 16, I, I really feel, even though he had the chance, you know, to go into 17 and 18 looking for birdies, the way he's played those holes this week, I didn't hold out too much hope for that. So when when the birdie didn't drop on 16, I kind of felt like, well, that's it then. And we, we're, we're doing ourselves a disservice here. We've been talking for a few minutes. We hadn't even mentioned the guy that won the tournament, uh, <laughs> Danny Willett. Obviously, and I, and I said this I said this online, and, and I really want to make sure this is a, a very big point of emphasis because – we're going to talk about collapses. When we get into some questions, we're going to talk about some famous collapses. And, of course, the one that always comes to mind at the Masters is, is Greg Norman back in 1996, you know, 20 years ago mm-hmm. to the day and all that stuff. Um, what people forget, and, and I really, this is important, is Nick Faldo shot 67 that day. I mean, Nick Faldo went out and played mm-hmm. an incredible round of golf to win that Masters. Danny Willett played an incredible round of golf today. I mean, he didn't make a bogey. He shoots five under. Uh, he looked a little shaky on a couple of those short putts there at the end, but he got him to go. And this is not some no-name player winning. Maybe Americans aren't familiar with him, but Danny Willett is a superstar. I mean, top 10 player in the world. Now he has five wins. He finished sixth at the British Open last year. You know, it's not a fluke like we've seen sometimes with some of the other people that have won majors. Yeah, and I think it really points to the importance of a clean card 
at Augusta National. I mean, when you have a bogey-free round and it's just those circles on your scorecard, it is so meaningful. I mean, I looked back. Danny Willett didn't have a single double bogey for four rounds. You look back at Jordan's card, he had three doubles and a quadruple. <laughs> and so really, when you think about it in those terms, it's amazing that you know he was even as close as he was at the end. And, uh, and, and kind of with that, I mean, as I mentioned, we wanted to bring that up. Obviously, I wanted to bring up Willett winning because I definitely don't want to forget that. I mean, people are asking, what's the story here? Is it Willett winning or is it, is it the collapse by Jordan Spieth? And while I'm one of those people that likes to focus on the good and likes to focus on the guy that did, did well and won, I mean, we can't look past the fact that Jordan Spieth did lose this Masters. It did appear, you know, when you're watching it. Um, and with that said, I kind of wanted to ask some questions that we got in. Uh, Golf Tips asked... Um, does this actually make Jordan Spieth a better champion in the long run? Somebody followed up and said, uh, similar to a Rory McIlroy in 2011 where he fell apart and then he goes out to the U.S. Open there at Congressional and goes on and wins by eight shots. Do you feel like there's a chance that this could make him a better champion going forward? Well, I, that's a really interesting question because you never know how how dealing with something like this is going to affect a player. Certainly with Rory, it ended up being motivating. However, we haven't seen Rory play very well in Augusta National ever since. So, um, you know, I, I don't know how we should read into that. But the thing is with Jordan, he has a green jacket already. He has a U.S. Open trophy. He's won two majors. He's only 22 years old. Is this going to crush his career and, and, you know, put him in a corner where he's, you know, going to cry about this for the next six months? I don't think so. Um, we were all wondering about the state of his game heading into this week, thinking that he may not even compete. I mean, oh, no, you know, look at look at Jordan. He's he's not winning anymore. He's He missed a cut this year. And it's like, no, Jordan's game is completely fine. Uh, you know, the, the performance uh, that he showed us on Thursday was out of this world. That was, that was, I guess, what we could call vintage Jordan. Can you say that about a 22-year-old? That's right. But, it, but you're right. I mean, it's, the, the way he's played at the Masters in his career is incredible. You make a really good point about Rory, though. I mean, Rory looked like the type of guy that was going to win five green jackets, and ever since that collapse has never really been – in the conversation, of course, you know, in, in the final group in the third round here, but struggled, didn't make a birdie on Saturday, kind of backdoored his way into another decent finish, but never really in the conversation. I always kind of judge it. I say, how much did TV show them during the round? And Rory wasn't shown mm -hmm. that much because he wasn't really a, he wasn't really a conversation starter in the sense of a guy that could go on to win. Um, we did get asked from Jeff Valos, has there been a worse single hole meltdown from a leader in major championship history? Which, of course, I think yeah. we all know the answer to that. <laughs> oh, poor John! I, I know. know that's He's never going to live it. <laughs> it's terrible. I mean, his, his name comes up right all in the worst circumstances. But um, I, I think though this is unique in the sense that it's Jordan. It's it's our it's our national hero. This is our golden boy. Uh, you know, John Vandeveld was not necessarily a household name when when that was going on. And uh, although it was a hideous collapse, I don't think it had the emotional effect. Uh, on on fans that what happened to Jordan today does and will continue. And and one you know one of the I was kind of looking up some uh, you know quickly of course because we we wanted to kind of get this going right after it because we wanted to have the emotions and and be so fired up about it. But you know Adam Scott in, in 2012 at the British Open bogeyed his last four holes um, to give that to give that clear jug to Ernie Els. 
Um, you know, we, we've had people like Arnold Palmer give up seven shots lead, seven shot leads at, at the U.S. Open. Um, of course, Norman Vanneveld, um, even Jason Duffner at the 2011 PGA Championship when he had a big league and, mm. and gave that away, hit some balls in the water, and let Keegan come back and win that in a playoff. Uh, Dustin Johnson had a big lead at the 2010 U.S. Open out of Pebble Beach when it looked like he was going to run all the way with that thing, and, and he obviously didn't at the end. Played played really poorly on Sunday. So again, this, this isn't unprecedented territory and he did have one bad hole I mean as we mentioned he bogeys 10 bogeys 11 the 12th was the bad hole the one that was unraveling but he didn't let it get to him and I think that's something we do need to remember when we talk about um you know him going forward yeah when we talk about him going forward you think about is this something that he can look at and go I didn't fall apart I bounced back right it was just it was too bad of a hole to really, uh, he ran out of time. I mean, he ran out of time and time to try to make up those shots. It's a quadruple bogey is <laughs> all is almost impossible to recover from in a major championship when you're on the back nine on a Sunday. So, you know, at, at that point, what can he do? He's got to, you know, try to birdie, what, four of his last six holes or something and just to get back in the mix. And I'm always curious to know when exactly do they know what we know as viewers? Because as I was watching Danny Willett, I was wondering just when he knew that he was, you know, not trailing by, you know, three shots, but actually leading by three shots. Right. When did Jordan know just how far behind he was? I always think that that's really fascinating, kind of putting that timeline together as they talk to the players after their round. Yeah, I mean, you and I can follow it along, you know, if you're in the media center or at home. I mean, we can follow it along on our phones. We can follow it along on TV. The leaderboards are everywhere, and they're up to the minute, up to the second. And these guys are out there, obviously, with no technology on them. But especially at the Masters, I mean, you're getting these old-school leaderboards. Uh, Maybe they change. You hear the roar, you look up, and you go, oh, wow, he made it. I mean, and of course you're not thinking he's going to make a seven. I mean, you might think he might make another bogey. He might drop a shot here or there. (laughs) It was funny. I I was seriously watching when Danny Willett hit that shot into 14. I said, if he makes that and Spieth makes bogey on 11, this will actually be somewhat interesting. And then, of course, Spieth throws a dart in there at 11. It looks like he's going to make par. He misses that putt. Will it knocks his in. And, of course, all of a sudden the tides turn. But um, I, I did, we did get a good question. I wanted to hear what your thoughts were. RJ, RJ Ochoa said, when was the last time the world was collectively this bummed about a winner? He said, congrats to Danny, of course, but Jordan and Andy did a little sad emoticon. Um, I have a couple, but I'll let you go first on, on the last time we were this bummed out. Yeah, I think I already blew it when I when I when we <laughs> just started our conversation by talking about Tom Watson. I mean, c- could you feel more sorry for Stuart Sink winning his very first major championship, but he does it by taking down you know the 59 year old hero <laughs> in a playoff who's completely you know out of gas. Um, that to me was uh, was was a huge bummer. I think everybody was rooting for Tom. As nice a guy as Stuart Sink is, I. I think people love him in general, but it just wasn't the time that they wanted to see him win. Yeah, and, and I, that's, that's to me, the same, same answer as well. I mean, of course, even Tom Watson famously goes into the press conference and said, you know, I, this isn't a funeral. I mean, let's, let's at least, you know, say this is what it is. It's, it's a, it's a, it was a golf tournament. I didn't win. Um, I had a couple of more, just, just a little smaller versions of that. Um, Justin Rose, I thought, at the 13 U.S. Open. Um, Justin Rose is a big-time player and, and a likable player at that. But that was the Phil Mickelson U.S. Open. It looked like he was going to win and, of course, fell short. And I think people were a little bummed about that. And, and Angel Cabrera's mm-hmm. 9 Masters win, you know, it looked like Kenny Perry was finally going to get the major win that, that we thought he deserved. I mean, he was in position and he had a big lead. And Cabrera birdie 16. And then, of course, Kenny Perry bogeys 17 and 18 to go into that playoff that he eventually lost to Cabrera. So those were a couple that had popped up. But I thought that was an interesting question. And it is, it is sad in a way. 
when guys win golf tournaments and the storyline's somebody else because in five years, I feel like when we think back to this Masters, we'll think, remember when Speed hit it in the water on 12. Right. Well, and you know who else I was just thinking about? This wasn't necessarily a collapse, but when Tiger lost to Y.E. Yang. I mean, that was just such a such a surprise. No one expected that. It was just like, what? Wait, no, that's not what, that's not the narrative. <laughs> Tiger always wins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I just, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not that wasn't necessarily a collapse, like I said, but it was one of those times where you just thought, huh, oh, uh, yeah, that's not the major champion that we expected, but good on you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 of course, you know, I, I, I wrote something on Twitter, and a lot of people were saying, come on, he choked, he, you know, say it what it is. And, you know, to me, I, I don't look at it as much of a choke because it wasn't the final hole, the final two holes. He did it on 12, and he made some birdies coming back. You know, he had a really tough putt on 16 as well for birdie. I mean, he makes that. The whole storyline changes. He could make par on 17. He could birdie 18 to get in a playoff. But... When we look at this Masters, we're really going to look at the last hour and a half, and we're forgetting some really fun stuff that happened. I wanted to say, when you first saw the Louis Oosthuizen in hole in one bank shot, I mean, did you did you did you scream? Did you jump up in the air? I mean, it was one of the craziest <laughs> golf shots I've ever seen. You know, it was set up so well by the commentators. I thought they were both going to go in the hole. I was convinced. I said, oh, okay, this, they're gonna, the ball's going to hit one, and they're both going to you know, roll in the hole eventually. So I was actually a little bit let down when only one of them went in the hole because, <laughs> you know, I was expecting both. Yeah, it, it <laughs> would have been yeah, funny. Cool. I, I, All I, the aces this week. It's been is, awesome to watch. What was happening on the 16th? It was crazy. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, wouldn't you? I, the 16th, I don't know which hole I would love to have an ace on more at Augusta, but I think 16 is a pretty good one. It, it would definitely be a, a fun one because I think we're obviously, as we saw today with that hole location, you know, what's so funny is it feels like there's a track. And you see this obviously in the par three contest. There was a ton of hole in ones, obviously, during that. But those greens are built to where if you hit it in the right spot, the ball will funnel towards the hole. And I feel like 16 is a little bit like that. I'm not sure if there's another par 3 uh, like that in the world where you know where the hole location is going to be every time on a Sunday. And you know that if you hit it in a certain spot, as we saw with chip shots like Tigers, and of course as we mm -hmm. saw today with Matt Kuchar, the ball can funnel down that little uh, that little alleyway and go right to the hole. And it's pretty crazy that, that, that it's kind of set up like that. And it's kind of cool that Augusta does it like that. It is nice because, I mean, I don't put a lot of spin on the ball myself. So whenever you can bank it in like that, I mean, it always it ups the odds for having a hole-in-one. <laughs> the ball needs to be rolling. I mean, not not very many of us are going to have slam-dunk hole-in-one. So um, I love that, yeah. And and, and uh, Sam Ruth asked, how long of a break do you think uh, Jordan Spieth needs after this major loss, especially the manner of the loss? And I wanted to just hear what you uh, kind of thought on him taking a little bit of a break. Yeah, I I think maybe he shouldn't take that long of a break. He needs to brush this off. This is, you know, not the be-all, end-all of his life. It's not the end of the world. Like we said already, he's 22 years old. I mean, the thing also about Jordan this week, he was carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. Being a wire-to-wire -wire leader at Augusta National is, I think, a lot harder than people think. You don't see all of the media obligations and commitments that you have after every single round. We know how, how brutal the conditions were. I mean, the weather was tough. Whenever you play around in the wind, it's super draining. You feel, you know, 50% more tired than you would on a normal round without any wind. So enduring, you know, three straight rounds of that, I think the commentators were mentioning yesterday that he seemed mentally fatigued. I would agree with that. 
it's no easy thing to lead the Masters the way he did. And, you know, in a way, Danny Willett kind of coming in the back door there. I mean, he was hanging around, but, you know, he had the luxury of being out of the spotlight and being able to relax all day on Sunday thinking, well, you know, what have I got to lose? Let's just go out there, play our game. And sure enough, it, it was enough. Yeah, but, uh, and, you know, Jordan was the one that that was, you know, had all the pressure on his shoulders this week. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point because, you know, you go into these things, the biggest the biggest player in the world. Rory talked about it last year. I mean, coming in with two straight majors, um, looking not only to win three in a row, but to win the, win the career Grand Slam. You kind of feel the same way a little bit with Jason Day. I mean, if you think about, I mean, go back to Thursday. It seems like a million years ago. But, I mean, Jason Day goes out uh, gangbusters early. I mean, he shoots a 31 on the front nine on Thursday. It looks like he's going to be... Jason Day again, and never could really get it back after that kind of weird little third shot he hit at 15. And I do think the, that is a big factor. I think people don't talk about it as much. And I also think of all the majors, the pressure of winning the Masters, and of course you mentioned Jordan Spieth already winning one, but guys like Day and guys like Rory who are expected to win the Masters, you know, every year they don't, they have to be thinking when's this going to happen. And I, I just think that mm-hmm. you are, when you are the face of the game, when you are one of the top two, three players in the world, and as you mentioned, you know, kind of boy wonder, 22-year-old American, you're going in there to defend your master's title and you pretty much have it wrapped up if you just execute the golf shots. And when you don't, I mean, it, it's got to wear on you a lot. So hopefully, I mean, if he needs to take some time away, uh, that'd be great because, you know, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast. Uh, th- this summer is going to be crazy with the three majors and the Olympics coming up. Oh, yeah. And the other thing is, he's going to have to answer questions about this now forevermore. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great it's point. never going to go away. So the sooner he comes back and is playing competitively again and gives a press conference, the sooner he can start getting all those questions out of his system and everybody will want to ask him about it for a while and it'll keep coming up. The next time he wins, it'll be all about all the redemption that he feels now after enduring the collapse that he had at the 2016 Masters. But, you know, like we said, the more he plays, the more he competes, he's still a fantastic player, uh, if not the best in the world, close to the best in the world. And he's going to, you know, weather this storm and be just fine. And, uh, and, and I, the, the last question, and I was, I was interested by this because I'm not really sure which way I lean. I'm going to see if you, can, if, if you can kind of convince me one way or the other. Uh, John Fitzsimmons <laughs> said, which was worse, Speed's breakdown today or DJ at Chambers Bay? Oh, gosh. That's a really great question. Uh, man, you know, when you think about the length of the putt that DJ faced at Chambers Bay and everything that meant given all of the close calls that he's had over the course of his career and and missing such a short putt and a huge opportunity to win a major championship, I can't help but think that was worse because it's just the point that you brought up a a few minutes ago. It was on the 18th hole. I mean, that was it. That that was the moment, and he didn't come through. Um, So, you know, like you said, what happened to to Jordan was on 12. He he still had time to redeem himself. Just because he didn't do it doesn't mean he he didn't have a a great chance. He still made a couple birdies coming in and and gave himself those chances. So, yeah, I'm going to go with DJ. And, uh, and, and I wanted to ask, and it's hard to obviously um, think about this when, it, when it's so soon after, but um, have you ever experienced a Masters that went from such a snooze fest to so exciting in a matter of moments? Can you remember a major that, that felt similar to this? Uh, well, I'm trying to think. A couple years ago, I remember, um, I want to say it may have been, 
Oh, gosh. It was when Jason Day was in the mix. I'm trying to think if it was 2012 2011. It was Day and Adam Scott. Eight, eight was players. It, maybe yeah. that was it. Maybe it was even farther back. Yeah, when, when Rory had kind of his collapse and everything was up in the air for the last, you know, two hours. It seemed like there were a bunch of big names that were in contention and could almost win. But, um, like I said, I can't even remember which year that was. It was 2011. Yeah, it was when yeah. Schwartz so it has, to win. It's been a long time, a really long time. And, you know, whenever you have that hour and a half, I mean, that's what makes the major championship so great. And it's just magnified at Augusta National because those holes are so tough. Got to hand it to Danny Willett, too. I mean, the performance that he had today on 16, 17, and 18, I mean, I turned to my husband and I said, you know, if he pars 17 and 18, he deserves a green jacket <laughs> because it's just so hard to par those holes in in general, let alone when you think you're going to win your first major championship. Yeah, and I mean, that that's kind of the, the, the similar thought I had about Spieth when, when, when you know, his shot into 16... Uh, it felt a little bit, and, and it's funny we had the Chambers Bay conversation. But you know, when you think back to Chambers Bay and when Dustin hit that second shot into 18, there, you know, you know, moments before a group came through and I, one of the youngsters hit it right up that hill on, on the on the 18th at Chambers Bay. It rolled back to, to within inches, and he kicked it in for eagle. And Dustin's kind of stayed up on that hill, and it was a really quick putt. Speed shot on 16. I really thought was going to keep feeding back. I even they cut away from the shot to Speed's reaction. And I, I said to to the people I was watching watching the golf tournament with, you know, why'd they cut away? The ball's going to come back. I, I thought it might come back to two or three feet. I mean, it stayed up there, and that was a really, really difficult putt. And then when he didn't make the birdie putt there at 16, I really didn't think he was going to birdie both because, you know, you mentioned it. 17 is just such a beast, and it's been the hole that's oh. really given him fits. So outside of, of Willett, what what positive? What's Who's a big winner for you this week outside of, of the champion, of course, in Danny Willett? Well, I would have to say uh, uh, probably England's players. <laughs> when you look at the first few pages of the leaderboard, it's amazing how many of those English guys uh, performed really well this week. Of course, you know, looking at Paul Casey, Justin Rose was right there. Lee Westwood, oh my gosh, runner-up again. We haven't even mentioned Lee. <laughs> I was thinking, like, if this is going to be Lee's first major victory, I might just pass out. But, of course, that, that didn't come to pass. But another English guy gets it in Danny Willett. So, um you know, I thought that was very impressive. Matt Fitzpatrick, another English player that played really well, former U.S. amateur champion. And speaking of U.S. amateur champions, I was really impressed with Bryson DeChambeau. Um, I know, he, you know, he wasn't on TV much the last couple days, but certainly uh, playing with Jordan Spieth those first two days, I thought he really held his own. He's turning pro this week. Uh, I'm looking forward to following his career. I, I think he's going to be huge. Yeah, it's hard for me, and I know it's nerves. You know, when you get to the 18th hole and make a bad swing or, or miss a short putt, I mean, that is nerves. I mean, that is you getting in your own way or, or getting in your way mentally. But it, mm-hmm. it was it was tough for me when he made when he made that seven on on 18 on Friday. You know, the the hard thing for me was, and I, and I even said this was he played 35 holes as good as anybody out there, and he made one bad yeah. swing, and that doomed his chances of being in the final group or, or or being right there in the conversation. And for me, it's like. I'd rather look at the 35 holes he played incredibly well and not the one where he made that bad swing and ended up making a seven. Absolutely. And I think that's his whole mentality also. I mean, he has a great mind for the game, uh, you know, very scientific in the way that he approaches the game, but he also realizes that it's just golf. I mean, he has a really nice attitude about 
kind of leaving the golf on the golf course and just living life uh, and not trying not to worry too much about, you know, the uh, winning or losing being the be all end all of his life. He's got a lot of other things going on for him. Um, so, you know, I thought he handled it really well. Yeah. And it was, it was fun to see him there. It was fun to see him in that conversation. I mean, it was fun to see him alongside somebody like Jordan Spieth and playing just as well, if not better than him at times. But you know, it was it was a fun Masters week. Let, let's be honest. I mean, we, we had Jason Day get out hot early. We had Bryson DeChambeau, you know, bring up the can an amateur actually win this thing. Looked like Jordan Spieth <laughs> was going to run away with it. And we got Spieth Rory on Saturday, and we didn't even talk about it, which was kind of a bummer because it could have been really fun, and it really wasn't fun at all for those two. Rory had such a miserable yeah. day. And don't forget about Bernhard Langer, man. Yeah. The 58-year-old <laughs> who may have had a chance to. I mean, poor guy. I kind of knew as soon as the, the wind was going to die down today, I thought, okay, well, that's that's probably it for, for poor Bernhard because it, it reminded me of when Zach Johnson won uh, back, you know, a few years ago when, the, when it was really cold and really windy and it kind of – mitigated the advantage that the long hitters have at Augusta. And I think that's exactly the phenomenon that brought Bernhard kind of back into the mix is when it sticks around even par, you know, a guy that's hitting hybrids and fairway woods can still have a chance at Augusta. But when the wind dies down and these guys are able to reach the par fives and two and, and shoot, you know, five or six under out there, then, then that's, generally the swan song <laughs> for yeah, the poor 70, shorter 79, 79 for him today. I, I watched him on eight uh, playing alongside Jason Day. I, I was out there watching Longer and um, Day hit this bomb, of course, and just down the left side of the fairway, it was perfect. And Longer hits a pretty good one. And I, I was walking with a friend of mine and they said, uh, they said, oh, those were those are pretty similar. <laughs> There's 70 <laughs> yards between, difference between the two. I mean, it's just it's hard to keep that up. We, we've seen this trend so many times with with the older player uh, playing great for 54 holes and just not being able to do it um, all the way through, especially at Augusta National. Of course, Fred Couples famously um, doing that. But it, it did seem like the week had everything. It had the hole in ones. It had a, a, a it had a, a, a champion that might have been a surprise. It had somebody uh, you know a mini collapse in a way. Uh, it had the two, you know, biggest names in the sport playing in the final group on a weekend on moving day. Uh, and, you know, it, it just, it felt like it had almost everything. Maybe missing uh, Phil Mickelson, maybe. But uh, other than that, it was it was pretty fun. So I, I just think it was a really fun week. And, and, and I was a little bummed the front nine because I thought it was going to be a snoozer. And then uh, I was I was changed quickly when, uh, when all those yeah. things started happening. Yeah, and consider saying all of this, that you mentioned without Tiger Woods. Yeah. I mean, who would have ever thought, right? Yeah, and you, you talked about 2011 and the, the eight players that were that had a share of the lead that final round when, when Schwartz won. Tiger was in that conversation. You know, I mean, Tiger's always seemed to be a staple in the Masters conversation. And it's, I don't want to say it's cool because I would love to see a comeback from the guy, but I do love that once the golf gets going, those questions of, is Tiger going to come back? Is he okay? All of those things. I'm glad that they go out the window because it is really fun to focus on the new age a uh, group of players that are that are doing some really fun stuff and playing some great golf. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's why I, that's part of the allure of the Masters too. I I always think it's really fun in the days preceding the start of the tournament to, when you look up all the all your favorites and you kind of make your pool and you can go back and see how everyone's performed at Augusta National over the years and where they've been finishing and where their strengths are and checking out their putting stats and, and their short game stats and how good of a scrambler they are and trying to judge how they'll play that week. You don't necessarily get that at any other venue other than maybe St. Andrews, and even that's only every five years, so it's hard to get consistent results when 
well, you know, Ernie Els played well uh, in 2010 or right. 2005, and you're thinking like, okay, well, that's way in the past. <laughs> in, unless, you, unless you're so. Tiger or Louis Oosthuizen, apparently, who, who, who went on those yeah. stretches of playing great at St. Andrews. But um, <laughs> I appreciate you jumping on. This has been really fun, Jess. Can, can you plug um, where people can find you and where they can find more stuff from you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on Twitter at Jess underscore Marksbury and uh, hosting Tour Confidential on Golf.com every Monday morning. And uh, you can, you know, find some interviews every month in Golf Magazine. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad that you got to enjoy the Masters. I'm glad that uh, that it ended the, the the right way in the sense of somebody playing a good round. And at least it didn't come down to 18 where somebody missed a short putt. Uh, even though I think everybody collectively probably was rooting for Speed to go back-to-back. Uh, it, it's never bad when, when an up-and-coming player or maybe uh, the next kind of big thing out of Europe goes on to do something special. It was exciting. as you know. That's all we can ask for. And now, let's start the hype officially for the U.S. Open. I'm ready. Are you? I, I'm ready for Oakmont. I'm going out there in a couple of weeks <laughs> to play. I'm fired up. Fox has it. I'm going to be doing interviews. It's going to be fun. So uh, we'll catch up with you down the road for sure, and I'll see you at Oakmont. And, and I mean, you know, here we go. This is, the, this is when the golf season really gets going, so it's going to be some fun. Absolutely. Can't wait. Thank you so much for having me, Shane. Okay, that'll do it. Jess, thanks so much for coming on. Jessica Marksbury, Golf Magazine. Make sure you check all of her interviews, uh, stories. Uh, follow her on Twitter. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter, too, at the Clubhouse Pod. Uh, the hashtag is ClubhouseSB. You can send us an email to Clubhouse with Shane Bacon at gmail.com. Uh, you can send me uh, tweets directly at Shane Bacon. Send in mailbag questions. Email us if you have a, a, a lengthier one. We were always looking for fun stuff you know, to have a conversation about. Uh, email us any suggestions you like, things you like, things you didn't like. Uh, you know, we, we'll read them, we'll take them into account, and, uh, and and maybe if they're not completely calling me an idiot, we might even think about using them. So, uh, and, and lastly, um, a big thanks to 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 you guys out there. We tend to be in our little bubbles, uh, media circles, or or you know wherever you work or anything like that. What I love about you know my job and what I get to do, especially weeks like this, is. You know, I get to have fun with everybody that's following along. I get to be a passionate fan, you know, almost before because I was a fan way before I was a golf writer or broadcaster or podcaster or whatever you want to call it. I love the game. I love watching good golf. I love watching exciting stuff. And you guys on Twitter, you know, you guys you guys sending in funny stuff, having fun, reacting. It really does make the week a lot more fun for me. So thank you guys for that. And again, thanks to Jess. And thanks to Champions Retreat. If you guys have any questions about it, if you have any questions for next year, if you're going to be here and you need a place to play golf, you know, they've got these amazing cottages here as well. A great place to hang out with a big group of guys. So uh, you can check all of that information out, uh, championsretreat.net. And, you know, you can give them a follow as well on some of the socials. So thanks so much for listening. We were going to be back, we're going to be back later this week with another podcast with somebody that was calling some of the action uh, this week at Augusta uh, for masters.com. So we appreciate it. And hey, Danny Willett, Masters champion. Danny Willett, a major winner. It was pretty cool to see, and it was a pretty amazing final round.